Hey, group chat. I know y'all see my text. There's tea to be spilled. Each week, we're bringing you our unfiltered take on culture, news, dating, and our lives as Black millennial women. We're coming to y'all with the honesty and eye rolls that only a text chain with your girls can. This is Black Girls Texting with Chelsea, Glenn, and Shade. another episode of Black Girls Texting. I'm sorry if it sounds terrible. I'm in Mexico. What is new? I'm joined by Chelsea Piggy and Glenn Betts. Hi, Brat. How goes it? Hey, girls. All is Hi. Well. Anybody want to just hop into the unread or reply? Unread or reply? There you go. Hi. I'm going to reply to... Um, this show that I'm literally obsessed with. I did all these stories about it. I want us all to support it. It's a blackity black ass show. It's called Reasonable Doubt on Hulu. Um, Carrie Washington is an executive producer. Larry Wilmore, if you're not familiar with him, he helped make shows like Insecure and The Office and Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Like he makes great shows. Um. But I really enjoy the show. I feel like the writing is so authentic. I felt like the writing was really authentic. And then I did some research and the entire writer's room is black. Every single director of every episode has been black. So I really want us to support this show. I feel like Hulu has not been promoting it at all. Like I literally just stumbled upon it. And also because I'm in L.A. now, I love watching it because I'm like, oh, I recognize that place. She lives up the block. I see this. So I like I love the show so watch it no chelsea you recommended this to us a, a while back and i don't know why i just took it took me a little while to get around to it and then i was watching it before i left town for the holidays and i was obsessed like i was binging it the whole day before i left and now i'm in mexico and i can't get on the hulu but as soon as i get back like i'm picking it right back up it's oh really i cannot good. i cannot wait for you to see the finale it's so good it's so juicy um it's like this balance of the personal life and then the, the like the professors, the cases that the main characters dealing with um, as a lawyer. So it's just it's just good. It's just drama yes. and juice all around and very human. And I, mm-hmm. I found out it's loosely based off of a real person too, like a mm-hmm. real black lady, cool girl. <laughs> um, uh, and then leaving on red, well. I'm leaving on red the fact that apparently I am now allergic to the East Coast. I went to Charlotte to visit uh, my fiance's family over the holidays, and we both immediately got stuffy. We couldn't breathe, eyes Mm -mm. itchy. Like, it was wild. It happened within 24 hours, and I was like, what the hell? I had no symptoms of anything in L.A., but I guess our seasons don't really change versus, like, in North Carolina, they do. So going forward, before I go to the East Coast, I'll be taking allergy medicine to get my body prepared for the change. So you're just like a West Coast girl now. You're yeah. allergic to the... Wow. It's official now. It's official. You guys have to come visit and see my my life. Shade visited when I had no furniture, but visit now. <laughs> No, no, no. I'm definitely coming for sure. Oh, show. I mean, I have just hella travels coming up. And I guess maybe that's what I'll reply to. Um, I just had this uh, such a fun week in Mexico City with my parents. 
for Thanksgiving. They were just like, yo, you're always in Mexico City. What do you love so much about that city? We want to see it. So I took them everywhere. We had a ball. Um, one of the highlights was going to one of the, the Luis Barragan homes. He's a Mexican architect. Um, amazing house. Literally, I was fantasizing and dreaming about living in a place like that. And then I'm going straight from here to Art Basel. Me and my friend were just sitting down going through our itinerary. It's literally like 10 events every day. It's OD. I'm getting my rest and um, making sure my immune system is ready. Um, but it's just been so cool to just kind of be like moving and flowing and like mixing up the mundaneness of being at home during a damn, um, what's it called? Daylight savings time and cold mm. ass weather and rain. It was definitely putting me in my feelings. So I'm really fortunate that I could shake it up a little bit, shake up the routine. Um, but I do maybe on 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 red for that. And I saw this somebody posted on Instagram some something that was like being on a plane all the time was not the flex they said it was or something. And high key, I'm like, damn, I miss like just being in my own kitchen, doing things in my own house. Like I am looking forward to that feeling when you put the key in your own door. You know, it's a good feeling. Did- did your parents like Mexico City? Yes, they grew to love it. We had some rough patches. My mom left her phone in an Uber. As soon as we got to this beautiful place, sitting down in this like beautiful garden, my mom's like, where's my phone? I'm like, Lord. And it was like the biggest, like the day I had planned with all the most amazing activities. Now I'm blowing up this man, trying to find this man's number, going back and filing multiple claims with Uber. My phone died because I'm sitting there texting with these people, wild goose chase, just craziness, just craziness. I took my parents to on a taco tour. My dad got wildly sick eating on the street. <laughs> like I was like, Lord, help us, help us all. But by the end. Why did you give them street meat? I don't know. I wasn't even thinking. I ain't eating no street tacos in Mexico. Right. Sorry. I mean, and I mean my belly's it. too weak. <laughs> I have a like an iron stomach, dead ass. But yeah, my dad was like out for the count for a full day, and it was like the day we went to go see the like Frida Kahlo's house, like all these Diego Rivera like exhibits and stuff. And he loves both of those artists, so I was like, damn. I was like, I planned that day for him, and he couldn't do it. So that sucked. So they have to come back, you know. I got them in on the fantasy with me. I was like, can't you just see me living in a house like that with all the trees on that street? Don't you just think it's so beautiful? How romantic is this city? You get it, right? I'm like, they got it. So yeah, it's been so good to be here. Like, so good to be here. Yeah. Shade, what you got? Nothing to reply to. I'm sorry, y'all. Everything's on red right now. I'm so busy. Life is just really kicking my ass. And I'm sorry that I've been gone and out for the count. But hopefully, I don't know. I would love to say it could get better. I, I don't I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I don't really have, like, there's not even, like, a crack of the light. So I have no concept of when my life will slow down. Mm. But just keep on keeping on. That's pretty much it. My work is really busy. Everything else is super busy. But Black Friday's over. It should slow down, no? No. (laughs) (laughs) LOL. We can talk about that on the Patreon. Praise be. Yeah. Um, 
but I'm happy you guys are happy. I'm <laughs> fine. I'm happy my friends are happy. <laughs> well, thanks, girl. Anybody's hotline blinging? Literally, mine is just blinging with Art Basel. Like, when I tell you, yeah. these damn events, so many events. And something that somebody just sent me, because last year when we were at Basel, it was like that NFT boom was really happening. And I didn't know people were still about NFTs. Like, I thought that now people make fun of people with NFTs. But I guess it's still legitimate or something. I don't know. But there's mad events where you have to have, like, an NFT crypto wallet to download the invitation. Like, I really feel like they're just trying to make this. They're still trying to keep it alive. Yeah, a lot of people lost a lot of money. Apparently, yeah. right now you can get um really cheap watches like Rolexes and APs and stuff because all the people that got rich off of like NFTs and crypto and all that shit lost all the money, so they had to like sell shit and like something that's easy to and quick to sell is like a, a Rolex. Shut up. So if you're in the mood for a watch, you could probably buy a used one for a pretty decent price. Stop. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, that whole thing is crazy. See, I knew it. That's why I wasn't even trying to understand that thing. Put my money in that. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe they'll recover. I hope for them. I, I hope. I hope. I hope. Ooh. At least for the um, ones that like had nothing and really put all their shit in it and lost everything. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the already rich ass people, but I don't know. Well, should we get into our black girl doing shit? Let's do it. My good sis, that's a black girl doing shit. I am so excited. We have a black girl doing shit amongst us in the group chat, uh, Toby Belay. Uh, she's an entertainment obsessed storyteller who combines her individuality with her experience in the fashion, TV, and music industries. Toby is currently based in Los Angeles. Woo! Like me, we gotta get a drink. Uh, <laughs> yes, she please. was <laughs> she was recently featured on TED.com for her TED San Diego talk, and is the global senior campaign manager for fashion and pop culture partnerships at Disney. Co-host of the pop culture podcast, the weekly Bakey, creative director for rising multi hyphenate artist TG Beam. Look at me. Published teen <laughs> fiction novelist of the stunners and editor behind Girl with Purple Gucci's. Well, you the got a lot going on. <laughs> a lot oh going on. Oh my God. The definition well, of a multi hyphenate. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Amazing. you. That was the best compliment to like watch your eyebrows raise as, as, as the list just kept going. Incredible. And now a word from our sponsors. Chances are you aren't sharing an epic dinner with your friends right now, but you could be. Just book a seat at a private dining event with your Chase Sapphire Reserve card. Then get to it. A multi-course menu, insane flavors, a wine pairing. Ooh, is that crispy duck? Experience more unforgettable dinners with private dining events from Sapphire Reserve. Chase, make more of what's yours. Learn more at chase.com slash sapphire reserve. Cards issued by JP Morgan Chase Bank and a member of FDIC, subject to credit approval. Term supply. 
We are officially in the holiday season, y'all. It's truly my favorite time of the year. My family always finds ways to spend time with one another during this special season. And whether we're having a game night, which by the way, I just learned how to play spades. So I will be officially ready this year or exchanging gifts or of course, sharing a meal around the dining table, which is my favorite part. Coca-Cola pairs perfectly with every holiday get together. So enjoy the real magic of the season by surrounding yourself with good friends and family, delicious food, and of course, an ice-cold Coca-Cola. You thought today was another routine? You thought today was a walk in the park? Congrats, you played yourself. I'm Alex Toussaint, and today we're drinking Swat Water Alkaline. With 9 plus pH and added electrolytes, it's hydration for your determination. That means no excuses. I don't want to see you just work out. Get out there and outwork. Let's get it, baby. Smart Water Alkaline. All right, y'all. It's time for the group chat. Yeah, so we we got your we watched your TED talk and whew, everyone in this group chat can relate. Mm-hmm. Um, we all work nine to fives and obviously have a podcast, so that's the five to whatever <laughs> it could go very late we can't even say nine right can't um. even say nine um and we totally could relate so just in general can you give our listeners who have not yet seen it and we'll link it for listeners because it's really good i think it's less than 10 minutes so you definitely can easily watch it um what your ted talk was all about sure and thanks for the intro i'm super happy to be here i've been listening to this podcast for years so definitely a full circle moment to be on here Thank with you, you. both So, of course, the TED Talk is about really choosing to rebrand the definition of strength to having the courage to choose ourselves. Mm. And basically, this was a topic very near and dear to my heart, because at the time that I applied to TED, I was going through one of the hardest times of my life, which I talk about in the TED Talk. And it was almost like a therapeutic experience because my TEDx coach was actually a licensed therapist for 10 years. And yeah. yeah. And when I was first accepted into the TEDx program, I knew that I wanted to speak about Black women and pop culture and kind of tie the two together. But I more so wanted to talk about the Black woman experience. But then Mm -hmm. along the way, they kind of wanted to turn the camera to me and talk about my own experience, because obviously I'm passionate about this topic, being a Black woman in America. So at that time, which I talk about in the TEDx talk, I had just been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, which is pretty rare at 25 years old. Normally, it's something that people get in their youth or in their teenage years. But Mm -hmm. due to what the doctors think, based off of what was going on in my life at the time, due to an immense amount of stress, Mm -hmm. my body just couldn't fight the way that it needed to my immune system. So as a result of a lot of the stress that I was facing, my immune system shut down. And when my immune system shut down, my pancreas decided not to work anymore. <laughs> and I was diagnosed with type one diabetes and being what I like to call a reformed workaholic. It was really hard for me to kind of take that time to rest. So the TEDx talk kind of picks up that week that I had just been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, my mom flew down to LA from Kansas City to come and help me out. And it was 
the one day that I took off from work during that whole diagnosis period because I was in the hospital. Um, and when I was going to bed that night, I started to like break down crying and my mom asked me why. And I said, because I finally feel like I can take a break. Yeah. And that's such a scary and sad thought to think about. And at that moment and also going through TED and speaking to my amazing TEDx coach, Carrie Lynn, throughout the time, um, I realized, well, obviously I'm not the only person that feels this way. Obviously this is something that impacts a lot of us women um, who are black women and are members of our community. And then also an added layer, if you're ambitious and work in the industries that we do, you always feel like you need to just give 150% mm-hmm. to everything. And that's yeah. like, oh, being a girl boss and oh, that's being strong. But then like, why have we been conditioned to think that that is what strength means and why does strength as a black woman have such a higher bar compared to all of our counterparts who are Asian, um, Caucasian and come from all these different backgrounds The different studies that I bring up in the TEDx talk also highlight that. So I was like, you know, the math is starting to math. Yeah. <laughs> these boxes are starting to tick. Yeah. And- the, one of the terms that you brought up that I, that we all found fascinating was the superwoman syndrome. Mm-hmm. I had never heard of that, but you were like diagnosed name. with it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, it's from a woman called um, Professor Giscombe from UNC Chapel Hill, and it's called the superwoman schema. And it's these like five different points mm-hmm. that um, she found her and the researchers that worked on this research study found um, were really the main points that really made black women feel like, oh, I have to be a superwoman. I have to show up in these extraordinary ways, whether it's for myself in the workplace, like with my family, like with my relationships. And when you add all those things together, it makes us carry this unbearable weight mm. because we think that we have to be superwoman just to show up in our everyday lives. And that's super taxing. So I kind of take um, the listener and the viewers on that journey from me being at the lowest point and realizing, okay, if I'm going to be healthy, I have to shift what I view as strength and success in my everyday life. Because if I want to achieve those things for the rest of my life, the big goals and the small everyday goals, I can't afford to get sicker because mm-hmm. how am I going to achieve anything? How, I'm, how am I going to show up at work? How am I going to show up in my personal relationships for my family if I continue to get disease after disease and I'm not able to show up in the way that I am? Because I think it's something that's cliche, but we all get told at some point in our lives, like, God forbid you're God the next day, your job will be on the job board. <laughs> no, it's so true. It's so true. It's so right? true. And I think like as Black women in particular, I mean, I know Black women and Black people, it's not like a monolith, right? We don't have the same story. Not everyone has like economic issues and et cetera. Mm-hmm. But I do think what we do share as Black people is like we kind of represent our race, race. in a way. Yeah. Like, we're not allowed to just be, like, a person. Like, if I fuck up at work, it's the Black girl that fucked up at work. Like, if I do something See. bad, it's, the it's like, the Black woman. And then that shuts doors for other Black girls coming behind me. So it's just constantly a lot of pressure. Um, I wonder if you, if you feel like, like, how exactly your Blackness has to do with, you know, this idea of, strength and like having to always be strong 
And can I add in something really quick that I was hearing what you were saying, Chelsea, I think that is also a result of often being the only in these spaces, right? So then it's like, mm-hmm. if you do make a mistake, it it's glaring because you're the only one there. You can't True. hide behind anybody, really. And, and that's problematic within itself that we are the onlys in these spaces. No, it's perfect. And you bring up a term that um, I think some of us know, but not many of us know the whole first only different um, thing that's prevalent within Black women in these different um, spaces that Chelsea brought up, but also anyone from a diverse background who is a first or only or different in their space can also relate to that term. But when it comes to what Chelsea asked of how I see my own Blackness, then like having its own definition of strength, I think it's two different things. And it's kind of what has brought me to be like, okay, what my mission is in life is to inspire the youth and like the diverse youth coming up through pop culture and kind of like looking at my own life experiences, finding ways to have them portrayed in the media that we love to absorb um, so that we can not only start to understand ourselves better, but so that people can have a better understanding of us. So I came to that because when I was looking at Blackness and my own struggle with strength, a lot of it came from the way that we see Black women portrayed in TV, music, mm-hmm. media, the way that we've always been portrayed growing up, up until recent years when like Black women and being vulnerable is something that's really come up and it's starting to be supported. But like, that's all that we saw. And because that's what was seen in media and for a lot of the people who didn't grow up around Black people, that was their only way to really gauge the Black woman experience. That's kind of the expectation that then they set for us that's the expectation that we saw. So for me personally, that's what I thought that I had to be. And then also going off of what both of you said, in a lot of these spaces that I've worked in or growing up, going to PWIs, being that only Black person or, oh, being the youngest cheer captain, but then, oh, she's also the first Black cheer captain in our team. Or being the only Black girl on the pageant stage, but, oh, being the first in Kansas to, like, place within this division on this team. Like, always having that pressure of okay I can't be tired I can't slip up I can't have a bad day Mm. that was kind of rooted in me from such a young age I would say maybe middle school when I started to get into these leadership experiences started to join these different teams and it's like that just then continued to kind of be a red thread in every single experience like those different skill sets that I learned in those leadership positions in high school were then what I took with me to my predominantly white institution in college and me hustling, having two different internships, still showing up to class when some of my non-Black friends would be like, oh, I'm just not going to show up or, oh, I need to take a quarter off. I never felt like I could because it's like, I have to show up. Like (laughs) my parents came to this country so that my brother and I can have this experience because of what my ancestors did, because of what my parents did. I can't mess up. So those three aspects, I think, have really then kind of shaped the view that I had as a Black woman of strength and what I'm currently trying to change and what I got up on that stage to show, hey, we have to change. But it's not like we're starting with a blank slate. We do have those examples of a Simone Biles. And we do have these other examples in our day-to-day lives or even a Meg Thee Stallion, like speaking mm-hmm. up and being like, hey, I'm hurt from the way that you all have been talking about me in music and showing up like it's not okay. And so the more times that we have people on these spaces and stages and within pop culture speaking up about um, 
no, I don't need to be a girl boss or, oh, nope, I don't need to be resilient all the time. Mm -hmm. That's going to allow for more of us. But okay, I can too, but it's not going to start until we each start to make that conscious effort. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I was just going to quickly say, I also was like thinking about, okay, like what is it about black women specifically? And I'm like, I was like, oh, is it like an an economic thing? Because for many of us, again, not all, but a lot of us, like we are, you know, if we're making a lot of money, it's not like we have family that will just give us money or, you know, it's like there's economic things. Like I remember when I was in college or was it high school and people were taking like gap years and I was like, what the hell is a gap year? And it was just like they got to travel all over Europe for a year, expenses paid with by their parents. And I was like, what? I got to go to work. <laughs> That's an option. Delay That's an option. College. But then I think about someone like Serena Williams, who obviously has a ton of money, but even she felt like she couldn't rest. Like you watch her um her document her docu series, and she's like, I stood out there and just like hit balls for hours on end till like my arm felt like it was gonna fall off. Like right. So it's not only about the money then. It's not only about the money. It's yeah. just like this pressure or this like. I'm like, is it, it's, I agree that we see it in media, so it's societal, but like, is a piece of it coming from like internally too, like mm-hmm. putting that pressure on yourself? And I think it kind of goes back to what you said. I forgot to say it in my long rant earlier, but about how we have to be a representation of every other Black woman coming after us and Black person. And it's like, I'm sure Serena felt it. It's like, if I don't show up in this space and I'm not the best, they're not going to hire another Black woman on this team or they're not going to promote this Black person. And it sucks that we're that group that has to represent all these people or else no one else is going to be able to come up. It's it's hard, but it's almost kind of like that maternal instinct that I think a lot of Black women carry. And it's like, we we want to protect our people. We want to also advance our people. So yeah. feeling like we have to carry that pressure is kind of what makes us have this facade of us needing to be strong and not have any off days. Yeah. And there's like an awareness that people are looking to you, even that people are admiring you or people are relying on you or we're often like pillars of our communities. Like I think about all the women in my neighborhood that like hold down the community, the black association. It's a black woman. She's in my emails every day. Sending something (laughs) about what we got to do, the fundraiser, the Halloween thing for all the kids. All the other kids in the neighborhood. She's planning things for them. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> she has to make sure their bags are full. She has to. <laughs> no, yeah, that's it's very real. It's very it's real. very real. And it's- I I was just going to say, I wonder, I wonder, like, you mentioned in, in, your, in the TED Talk that, like, lifestyle changes are super important. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if you could share like what some of those lifestyle changes are that you've been practicing, um, what you're For doing sure. now. Yeah. So keyword is practicing. Mm-hmm. It is so hard after like we're creatures of habits. Like after years of like thinking in this mindset, 26 years to be specific, it's very hard to rewire my brain. But the first thing that I had to do was really just prioritize giving myself rest. And I think I also had to kind of change my definition of rest because it's not every single day that you can spend two hours after work on the couch, like watching TV. So I'm like, okay, how am I going to start my mornings? 
And for me, that meant, okay, I'm not going to pick up my phone right away, regardless of what I have during that day. Even if I'm only going to work out for 15 minutes, I have to have time that's just dedicated to me and my Mm. own wellness. So even if I can't get a workout in, or even if I know I need to get to the office super early, I'll sacrifice a bit of my time so I can make sure to go outside, get that 20 minute walk in before I head out. And then also just kind of setting boundaries when it comes to work and then also communication for work. It's one of those things that my dad would always tell me, it's like, just because someone sends you an email after hours doesn't mean that you have to respond because like everyone's time is different. And it might be that that person is like, okay, they need to pick up their kids after school. So they're going to respond to things at 7 p.m. But mm-hmm. you have to kind of recategorize when's your rest period, when's your time. So really just like giving myself that boundary be like, okay, I'm not going to check emails after X time mm-hmm. is something that I really had to put my foot down on. And it's something that's helped me a lot because it's like, I think a lot of us struggle with this feeling of always feeling like you have to be available. Yeah. It's always having to be the girl that gets the job done. Exactly. But if you don't set that boundary, people are going to expect you to perform at 160% all the time. So then when you can't and you're performing at the same level as everyone else, then all of a sudden it's like, mm, is she slacking? But it's like, nope, you've got to, I had to kind of reassess my bar for what my 100% was yeah. so that yeah. I don't push myself. And I would say that's what I did in the workspace. And then the other one, which is key, is also it goes the same for friends because I was the type of person before that like the minute you text me, DM me, I have to respond within the next hour because I'm like, ugh, I don't want this person to think. Oh wow. (laughs) Yeah. So So much pressure. I know. Now you see the way my brain works and (laughs) well sorry, the way my brain used to work. But now I'm like, okay, I don't like I that's part of like putting yourself first and like having the strength to be like, okay, I don't need to respond to every single person at this time, kind of having that self-control and responding when I want to, mm. if it's not urgent, because I think that also allows me to kind of show up the best for my friends. Cause if I'm exhausted, having a long week at work, multiple shoots, et cetera, et cetera, my responses are not going to be as plugged in, probably didn't even understand half of what you sent me. Mm. So I'm like, if I choose to show up, when I can be that friend or family member at the right time, then I'm showing up better in their life. So that's kind of what I had to do in, like, in my own like personal life in order to like make those lifestyle changes and allow myself that time to breathe and not be 100% Toby all the time. And I mean, they're three really small things, but lifestyle changes are different for each and every one of us. And I mean, have they changed my life drastically? No, but they have helped me a lot in those areas and giving myself more of that rest, having a bit more balance in my life. And I feel like now that I'm starting to really establish those patterns, it can then allow me to make um, bigger shifts later in life. But if you guys have any tips, please let me know. <laughs> oh, girl. Lam, what are you doing I'm for self-care? good either. I mean, I was just thinking about how to, today I had a day, like my boss threw like 15 things at me at the same time. And oh, I was just Lord. like, rattling them off like done 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 but really because I, like if i have things on my plate i start getting really stressed out so i wanted mm-hmm. to just check them off but as soon as i check something else she's throwing me something else and something else and at, the, at one point today i like literally had to scream and i was like this is getting out of control mm-hmm. and i'm gonna start having to like ask for help 
Mm, we just yeah. got a new person on my team and I'm gonna just I'm I'm spending time with her tomorrow and I'm just gonna show her like some things that I do and be like, you gotta own these things. Like mm-hmm. and I think that's one thing is to like pass things off. But self-care in general, just like my day-to-day, I've just bought some new candles. <laughs> like, I'd be lighting a candle. <laughs> I sit here with the lights down low and just like chill out. And I have been working out a lot more and that is making me so happy. And I tell you every day, I really do not feel like going there. And I don't know how I end up at the gym every morning. I just be there and go. I'm like, I'm here, damn. And then I do the whole <laughs> workout and then I leave. I made it. And it all happened. And now I can go up about my day. And I already mm-hmm. felt, and especially because I start my morning like that, I feel mm-hmm. like I've already done something for myself, just as you mentioned. Exactly. So I think, yeah, giving yourself to yourself at the beginning of the day, if you mm-hmm. can is so critical. What about you, Chelsea? Yeah, I mean, same. I've I don't work out every day, but I do like twice or three times a week, mm-hmm. which is better than zero, which is what I was doing before. And at the beginning of the day, and it does feel really good. Something that I would love to practice going in the future and honestly, your TED Talk may spark some inspiration for me to do it Ooh. is to like not just jump on my phone and look at emails as soon as I wake up mm-hmm. because currently that's what I do. Look at emails, DMs, text, um, slacks. Oh my God, the slacks. Depressing news. Uh, oh, <laughs> New York the Times news. update. Yeah, yeah. Alert. The news. Guard your heart. But then, but then I wonder, because that's another thing that's, that's catchy right now is soft life. Have you heard of it, Toby? No. What is that? You know about soft life, girls? No. <laughs> so soft life, it's like all over TikTok now. And it's like this like black girl movement. It, there's soft life and there's and there's also like black girl luxury, right? Oh, like, I know black girl luxury, but I have it. I don't know about soft life. Like you're just like you just take it easy all the time. Like I feel like there's a balance, right? Like, yeah, you you rest, but you also should be doing shit. Mm-hmm. Or or maybe maybe you shouldn't be doing shit. Maybe that's my capitalistic wired brain where I'm like produce, produce. I think I am exposed to soft life, but I didn't know that was the term because I'm even thinking like two hours ago I saw a TikTok that I saved that was like, I don't want to be a girl boss. I want to be a girl rested. And she's yes. like talking about yeah, exactly. It's the same thing. And even yeah. soft life yeah. are like just cozy, indulgent, beauty, like all those good all the good things around you. Like putting yourself in spaces that don't feel anxiety inducing or intense, Mm -hmm. but that make you feel warm and soft and lovely. Yeah. Like the flicker of a candle and a bubble bath, you know, all those things. I want to do that right now. (laughs) I know know what I'm doing tonight. Right, exactly. um, But Glenn, you said something really clear too that I think we don't say enough. And it was also outlined in the Superwoman schema to jump back is like, also a big big facet of this new definition of strength that we have to have is having the strength to ask for help because i think we've been conditioned to think that like oh if i am a one woman show that means i'm the strongest of them all but it's like having the strength and the willpower to be like i'm gonna put my trust in someone else to do something i care about also takes an immense amount of self like self-control reflection um like and also having the trust in other people to like show up for you and then or also to be okay with them not and learning and growing from that that takes a lot of strength and it's something that we need to be comfortable doing you're doing an amazing job of if you've already set up that meeting with your teammate tomorrow to pass things off like we need to make it a regular routine absolutely 
Yeah, it's true. And that trust thing is real, too, because, like, when I started passing some things off, I would still, like, go behind and check, like, did she finish the stuff? And I just have to stop thinking like that. Like, I have to have trust in these people as well. Like, people are competent, you know? Yeah. They're not, they might not do the same job that you would do, but they're doing a good job. Or mm-hmm. they're doing it differently, but it's still good, you know? Always. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, the other part of it is that this whole, like, strong woman complex or superwoman schema like literally caused physical health issues like it's not just like oh i don't i feel i feel i feel it's like no i'm actually making myself unhealthy you know and causing issues because of stress and like all this extra stuff um and it's interesting that your doctors were actually able to or actually verbalize that because i feel like sometimes people don't act like that's like a real thing like stress can cause health issues Exactly. And honestly, I'm exhibit A, B, and C of that because my whole life, I thought I was indestructible. Like I'm the same person. I used to be a cheerleader. I would sprain my ankle and show up the next day with it wrapped, still going. And it's like, I had that mentality throughout my entire life. And my parents were always telling me like, Toby, you need to take a break. Like Toby, we don't want to confess it, but you can get sick. Like everyone. And it's like, we are the farthest thing from indestructible. And last fall was the biggest wake up call for me and the reason why they were able to kind of and I also should like leave the like health disclaimer that scientifically you can't a hundred percent pin the diagnosis of type 1 diabetes to stress Mm -hmm. but for my case specifically they ruled out every other factor so there was no one in my family with any history of it no one in my family with any history of autoimmune diseases as a whole And when we traced back when I started to have the symptoms of type 1 diabetes, it was the morning after I'd had a mental breakdown Mm. from work. Yes. And it was instant. And it was like a two-week period where I was just feeling awful and the symptoms kept getting worse and worse. And then at first they thought, um, oh, maybe she has type 2 because this is something that's also prevalent, like... um, in black Americans and this and that, but it's like, I'm decently healthy. Like I work out a lot of times, like I used to be an athlete, like it just doesn't make sense. And then that's how they landed on the type one. So it's like, your body will literally warn you. And when you start to get those warning signs, believe it, because once you get to that point, there is no turning back. And if I could have taken the advice that I had been given my whole life of taking breaks, understanding that I'm not a superwoman or indestructible, like I wouldn't have this disease, but it's almost kind of like, damn, it had I not gotten it, who knows what sort of path or hole I would have led myself down where things could have gotten way worse. It's like, this was my warning. (laughs) God gave me another chance. Now it's like, okay, this is my story. I did it so that you all don't have to. Please listen to me. Yeah. No, that's real. And then I wonder, because you said you're Ted, Head coach mm-hmm. or person was they worked in uh they were a therapist right yes mm-hmm. so was that something that you were used to like had you spoken to a therapist before slash do you speak to one now because of that experience like your relationship to therapy yeah so before I think it's really good that you brought that up because I think growing up especially in a West African specifically Nigerian household like therapy was not something that came up it's like 
Um, no child of mine is anxious or depressed. Like, she better sort this out. Like, you are blessed. Drink some tea. It's like, exactly. <laughs> you're fine. Get some sleep. Watch TV. My dad will, like, come back from the grocery store with the Snickers. Like, it's fine. You're fine. Like, that was our culture. But then in recent years, like, I'm just happy about this, like, movement of, like, going towards therapy and things. I had tried therapy a bit in the past, but I wasn't necessarily at I don't think you should be at your breaking point before you go into therapy, but I wasn't there yet. And then um, TEDx, getting my illness, and then also being matched with this TEDx coach who is amazing and still a very good friend of mine. That's when I realized, okay, I actually need to be in therapy in order to work through these things. And it was my doctors, like, thank God they recommended it too. They're like, you're about to go through a lot of change. Yes, this is a physical health thing, but your mental health also needs to be in a good place for you to be able to live with your new normal. And yeah, I mean, I can't preach therapy enough. Like I'm in it every single week. I think everyone should be in it if they do have the resources to be able to do it. And I like cannot wait for the day that um, therapy resources could one day hopefully maybe be free so that more people have accessibility to them. But like, um, it's just helpful to talk to like a non-biased party about what's going on in your life and someone that's real with you. Um, that's not just going to be a yes man or tell you what you want to hear. Like my therapist goes in on me, like drag my entire life. Oh my God. I love it. <laughs> but I need that. Like clearly I need the tough love because I have like a pretty hard head and people have been telling me my whole life to do something and I did it and then I got sick. But <laughs> Honestly, like even going back to how we got to my like TEDx topic, I was not someone that was vulnerable at all in the past. Like even with my best friends, like family, I would always be like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then what happened was when I had been diagnosed and I started to tell these people in my circle, like, oh, hey, like I'm actually not okay. Like I now found out I have type one diabetes. The first thing they said to me was, oh my gosh, like, you're going to be fine. Like, you're the strongest person I know, like, strong, independent mm-hmm. woman. And I lost my ship. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. And then I literally told my TEDx coach, like, I was so pissed. Like, this was my breaking point. Like, literally, all I wanted to was be, like, hugged and, like, comforted. Yeah. And she's like, okay, well, then why do you think you weren't? And then we unpacked everything. It's like, okay, if all I've ever showed to everyone in every single child in my life was that I'm fine, I'm going to get through this like I always do, even though inside I was really struggling, they thought that was my normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they thought that's what they needed to meet me with because that's what they'd always met me with in the past, not knowing that it's because I never allowed myself to be vulnerable, to ask for help, to have the courage to say I'm not okay. Because I didn't think I was going to be accepted because what I had been conditioned to think was Black women had to be the superwoman. And then she helped me really uncover, like, that's what triggered you. That's what your story is. What can you do now in order to ensure that other people don't feel this way, to change the way that you relate with the ones closest to you, to change the way that Black women portray the media? And I'm like, yep, that's it. And then that's kind of how we started to formulate um, my talk. and. Yeah, honestly, the whole experience was extremely therapeutic. And around that time was when I started um, therapy with my current therapist as well. So having the both of them in my life was extremely helpful. Um, And just that reflection is super key. So I think especially us Black women, therapy should be a non-negotiable. Yeah. Yeah. And what you said also made me think of, um, you know, 
it's like a catchphrase, but like check on your strong friends, right? And family members and the people that don't necessarily pour all their stuff out voluntarily, Mm -hmm. um, check on them. And then also have empathy for when people don't check on you because they're dealing with their own shit. <laughs> like, exactly. so it's like part. this, like, you know, just as a whole, as a people, as community, like, let's just be more empathetic towards each other. And like, mm-hmm. um, everyone's going through shit. But I also would love to learn a little bit more about the weekly baking. Of course. Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> Funny that you asked. But yeah, so that's a podcast that I started with two of my best friends from high school because as you can probably tell, pop culture obsessed. It's what I do my nine to five, five to nine. Um, and then before I had actually moved overseas to Germany, it's so like in between college and um I guess like starting my adult professional life. Um I kind of just like wanted a space to just go off with my friends about the different things happening in pop culture so i texted these two best friends from high school jasmine and sophie who are the co-hosts on the podcast like guys we should kind of like kind of similar to what you all do black girls texting but like take our group chat centered around like our music and tv obsessions and make it a conversation for other people like bring them into it and that was at the root of it so we just started it that summer before um the two of them finished college and then i um, went off to go and start professional work we just kept it up ever since so it's kind of meant to be your escape like with your girlies talking about all the mess that's happening in pop culture and just kind of giving our takes um Ooh, on it. yeah that's my fave <laughs> and you know we'll what yes and it kind of goes to the whole thing we absolutely i will be listening it, it, and it really kind of ties into everything we've been talking about because that's like a nice moment of escapism and even mm. though as I'm sure you know, like the podcasting game is work, but um, it can be therapeutic to get on the mic, and it can and it's and it's soul filling to do something that you're like passionate about. That's just mm-hmm. a passion project, you know. Exactly. Do it with your friends. That's really cool, yeah. right? And it's it's just for us too, and it's something exactly. I think that's also helped us, like helped me on my journey because when we first started, it was back when I had my old brain, and we were very much like, okay, we need to record every single week do this do that and then along the way it's like okay we need to reassess our expectations of ourselves and one another like start to get promoted more getting into very senior positions at work moving around the world literally it's like okay what can we commit to that's still going to allow us to have this be this fun space for us but then we're not over promising and overstretching ourselves to the point where we don't like this anymore i'm like okay let's record once a month is it unconventional yes but if this truly is for us and the audience that we know enjoys this type of content, they're going to understand. And we just kept that. And I think that's what has allowed us to continue to sustain this. Um, and yeah, we just want to keep it going, but at our pace and how we enjoy it. And yeah, I think we all need some of that in our lives. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love that. Well, I'm so glad that you joined the group chat. Um, Toby and I met years ago in Germany. So I'm glad that you are now on Black Girls Texting and we got to hear more of your story. And I'm so proud of you. The TED Talk was beautiful. Um, We'll share it. And hopefully our listeners also can get a chance to catch up with the Weekly Bake, your podcast. Um, Where can our listeners follow up with you? Is there anything else that you would like to share? Of course. Well, first off, thank you both 
so much for having me. And I'm sad that I didn't get to meet you today this time, but hopefully next, um, time. next time. Yes. And I mean, who would have thought that back, what was the name of that building in Germany? Like halftime when we met in halftime in Germany, like <laughs> right before COVID, we would be right here before right now. COVID. Yes. Years later. Um, but you can find me for all things, all of my projects on tobyvillay.com. So my last name, G-B-I-L-E.com. Um, everywhere on every social platform at, at Princess Toby G. Um, and in terms of what you can look out for next, I'm going to be on a speaking stage near you hopefully soon. Have tons of little gigs coming up at universities um, around the country. And also looking to continue to just kind of spread the message, get as many people on board so people can start to understand Black women a bit more and get our stories onto screens and stages that matter. So oh, keep up amazing. with me. Thank I you. Love thank that. you. Thank you. Yes. Thank and you I so want to offline because we we did have uh, Zoila Darkton. I oh, yes. And she's like so into rest. I think she's trying to work to make rest a national like day of rest a national day no like way. a national holiday, holiday. yeah oh my yeah. gosh we need so to I'll connect to you guys on instagram please oh so. my gosh yes excited well, to meet her yes well thank you again and you're always welcome to the group chat and take some time to rest tonight soft life <laughs> you both too soft life means all the way black yes. yes 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 <laughs> bye girl bye, bye. what would you do this week, we do not have a what would you do. So please continue to DM, email, courier, pigeon us your woes, and we will do our best to give you feedback and help and advice. Even though none of us are experts, we're always willing to lend an ear and um, an opinion. <laughs> and with that, Chelsea, you want to take us out? Sure. We are Black Girls Texting. Follow us everywhere at Black Girls Texting. Yeah. Love you guys for listening. We appreciate every single download, comment, subscription. And follow us on Patreon. We have some really good tea on there. Thanks for listening. Love you. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to Black Girls Texting. Make sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Oh, and don't forget to text every group chat you're in and tell them to check us out. Follow your girls at Black Girls Texting, and we'll see you next week. Bye.